0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. FDSE.
1: At ease. I want to tell y'all something. This is a great day to be an American. It's an even greater day to be a Chiefs fan. I'm going to tell y'all something. I don't know what feels better. Seeing the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos or seeing the Las Vegas Raiders lose to a team with no name. See, this right here is what black people mean when they say that God is good all the time. Because last night, we saw America's team, the Kansas City Chiefs, we we saw them defeat the Denver Broncos on Sunday Night Football. Now, all they did was beat them by a score of 22 to nine and just took over sole possession of the AFC West but nonetheless some of you all have the audacity or has Stephen A. Smith say the unmedicated galls to question my man Patrick Mahomes performance look here man Patrick went for 189 yards passing he didn't throw for no touchdowns he threw one interception and he rushed for 12 yards and a touchdown see if you ask me Patrick Mahomes may be the only member of the Kansas City Chiefs that actually got their stuff together. Now, what I saw from Patrick Mahomes last night, I simply saw Patrick Mahomes doing his best Larry the Cable Guy impersonation. In other words, all I saw Patrick Mahomes do was, get her done. Look here, man, I can tell you right now, I don't think that that interception that Patrick Mahomes threw, I don't think it was his fault. It was Tariq Hill's fault. See, they tell you, you don't catch the ball with your chest. You catch the ball with your hands. See, Tariq Hill is more worried about being a cheater than he is worried about being a champ. Y'all mark my words. In two years, Tariq Hill will be to the Kansas City Chiefs what Odell Beckham was to the New York Giants as well as the Cleveland Browns. Nothing more than a distraction. And everybody knows what Travis Kelsey's problem is. Everybody knows that Travis is down with the swirl. In other words, he's starting to realize that an extended season and dating black women can take a whole lot out of you. Furthermore, I don't blame Patrick Mahomes for last night's game. Hey, really, all that bad play, play calling, that was on Andy Reid and Eric Bobblehead being me. See, last night, fourth quarter, hey man, they went a three and out and only ran up, what, 30 seconds off the clock? Hey, that's bad coaching. That's not Patrick Mahomes. Hey man, I'm gonna tell you something. If you wanna blame somebody for this, blame Brett Reed. It's his fault. Ain't nobody on the Kansas City Chiefs been right since that Super Bowl weekend. All right, having said that, hey man, thank you for joining our show. We got a great show for you today in studio. Believe it or not, man, we got the real TJ Moe. He's here. He came in here to get some on-hands training and, you know, have Uncle Jimmy teach him some combat. And he's going to talk about the NFL and this latest firestarter just laid down by Jason. Second of all, we have the first lady of the fearless family. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about Shamika, the real Michelle. She's going to be here to grace us with her presence. And she's going to be talking about this new show on HBO Max starring Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman calling, calling it Santa Inc. And hopefully Jason's not gonna let her get out of here without getting her opinion on the Deion Sanders, Brittany Renner entanglement. And last and certainly not least, we got the enforcer. Rashad McCants is gonna be back with us. And he we're gonna get his unedited take on the Deion Sanders, Britney Renner situation as well. Hey man, I hope y'all gonna enjoy the show. You know what time it is. It's Mr. Button's time. It's time to hit the subscribe. You know what he likes, so give it to him. And no, it's not free ribs and back rubs. It's just simply five stars. So it's that time, y'all. Let's release the doves. Let's release the hounds. It's that time to type dilly dilly if you feel me. And welcome back The chocolate Chewbacca of Nashville, Jason Whitlock.
2: All right,
3: thank you, Uncle Jimmy, and uh, I will get. to Patrick Mahomes and uh, probably debunk a little bit of this stuff, Uncle Jimmy's saying, I do think there's a little bit of reason to be uh, concerned with Patrick Mahomes. But I'm going to start by talking about a different quarterback before I get to Patrick Mahomes. And T.J. Moe TJ Mo is actually here in studio with me. I'm going to start this fire about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And and T J Jackson, T J is going to help me fan those flames on Lamar Jackson. But stick around. We're also going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. But uh, let's get it's Monday. Let's get the show rolling. Let's get the fire started. Uh, I'll start by telling you that last week, <clears throat> a dear friend of mine, texted me about the consistent criticism her coworkers were directing at her. The criticism, she says, is tinged with sexism and jealousy. My friend is in real estate. Her results are quantifiable and impressive. Her success isn't subjective or debatable. So I advised her that criticism is the background music of success. It's one of my favorite sayings. I said she should let the music play. It's great music. So should the fans of the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson. If Lamar's ever gonna return to his MVP level of play, he'll need to face the music. The harsh criticism that goes along with being a franchise quarterback. On Sunday, CBS broadcaster Tony Romo politely insinuated, that Jackson overthrew tight end Mark, Jack, uh, Mark Andrews on a two-point conversion play that would have won the game for the Ravens. The pass fell incomplete and Baltimore lost 20-19 to to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's take a look at the clip and listen to Romo's commentary.
1: Oh, what a gutsy call. I love it. What I a just gutsy this, call. I think most people love these two coaches. This is why they've been here so long. of time. This is the rivalry. Ben Roethlisberger season's on the line right here, Pittsburgh fans. Here we go. 30th time between Tomlin and Harbaugh. What a decision this is. The game hinges on one play. Jackson flings it. Andrews can't get to it. Could not reel it in. Incomplete. Has to be flicked with a little bit
4: of height. Oh, and it's one inch from Baltimore going to nine and three, but instead, the Steelers are alive.
1: He was right there. It was there for the taking. So much hinging on a matter of a pass being just a bit too far wide and the crazy thing is even if it was one more inch right he could have tipped it to himself which he's done we showed it earlier he's done it so many times before you got the onside kick coming up it's not
3: all right so across social media people pretended romo unfairly ripped jackson jackson's defenders pointed to the pressure tj Watt applied on jackson they blamed andrews for dropping a pass that hit his One outstretched hand, look, it was a bad pass. It needed to be arched and dropped in over Andrews' shoulder as he faded toward the pylon and the goal line. Tony Romo played quarterback in the NFL for a long time. He knows exactly how that pass needed to be thrown. There was nothing unfair about the critique of Jackson. After 5-1 start of the season, and talk of Jackson winning his second MVP trophy, the Ravens have lost three of their last six games. Worse, in his last six starts, Jackson has thrown eight touchdowns and ten interceptions. Even worse, in his last 11 starts this season, Jackson has thrown more touchdowns than interceptions in just five of the games. For the first time in his four-year career jackson is raising serious questions about whether the ravens should view him as their long-term solution at quarterback there's an idiom in sports that applies to jackson if you're not getting better you're getting worse this season as a passer jackson isn't getting better the timing of his decline couldn't be more problematic this coming off season the Ravens should be offering Jackson a mammoth contract extension. Two months ago, after Jackson threw for 442 yards and four touchdowns against the Colts, it was easy to envision Jackson getting a contract that exceeded Patrick Mahomes' $500 million deal with the Chiefs. What does Jackson work today? How good will he be two years from now? The best thing f- for Jackson at this moment is criticism. It fueled his shocking rise from late first round draft pick to the most valuable player. Criticism and skepticism are raw vegetables for competitors. They don't taste great going down, but nothing is better fuel for your body, mind, spirit, and attitude. Michael Jordan invented critics. Tom Brady hunts for critics and skeptics on a daily basis. Muhammad Ali's critics drove him to become the greatest. Social media, social justice warriors, the pundits at ESPN and Fox Sports spend their days trying to protect black athletes from criticism. They think worship builds black men. Worship is an act that should be reserved for Jesus and Jesus alone. It cripples everyone else. Men can't handle worship. Why do you think so many celebrities lack self-awareness and surrender to drugs, alcohol, illicit sex and mental instability? The way prominent black athletes are coddled in modern culture reminds me of one of the most powerful scenes from the movie, Remember the Titans? The story of the legendary high school football coach, Herman Boone, as played by Denzel Washington. Boone scolded one of his white assistant coaches for protecting the black players from criticism. Watch Denzel lay it all
1: out here. Now you think you're doing these boys a favor, taking them aside every time I come down on them, protecting them from big, bad, boom. You're cutting my legs from under me. Some of the boys just don't respond well to public criticism. I tell them what they need to know, but I don't humiliate them in front of the team. Which boys are you talking about? Which one are you talking about? I come down on here. I don't see you coddle him. Come down on Sunshine, don't see you grab his hand, take him off to the side. Which boys are you talking about? Now I may be a mean cuss, but I'm the same mean cuss with everybody out there on that football field. The world don't give a damn about how sensitive these kids are, especially the young black kids. You ain't doing these kids a favor by patronizing them. You're them, you're them for life. Mm.
3: Mm. That is music to my ears. I tell people this all the time. No one gets upset, no one in care. I used to light up Carl Peterson, Marty Schottenheimer, anybody, uh, the quarterbacks, anybody in Chiefs uniform. And, and then, oh my God, you criticize LeBron. Oh, you done sold out, you criticized the black, why you so hard on these black athletes? No one cares when I light up white athletes, coaches, executives, but they panties all getting a bunch, and oh my God, you're Colin Kaepernick. How can you criticize Colin Kaepernick? Criticism is a sign of respect, a byproduct of high expectations. I criticize Lamar Jackson because I respect him and have high expectations for him. I was skeptical of his NFL prospects initially. He earned my respect with his approach to the game, his no excuse attitude, and his exceptional play. The people making excuses for Lamar Jackson don't respect him and have low expectations for him. The people trying to stop the criticism music from playing don't want Jackson to succeed or don't know what it takes to succeed at the highest level whatever the motivation they're stupid and they're wrong this whole little and trust me what what Romo said what Jim Nance said that ain't no criticism not no harsh criticism it's a pointing out a fact Lamar Jackson is struggling right now and he's struggling this season after a very hot start and criticism, skepticism, public questioning of his play is exactly what he needs right now because it's going to motivate him and take him to a higher level. Or if he folds and doesn't respond, that's on him. But people ran around for years coddling and covering up for Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is still in delusion. That's why as soon as Cam got back on the field after the Patriots cut him and he missed half the NFL season, he gets back on the field and makes one play and starts yelling and screaming, I'm back, I'm back, nothing's changed because he's still in that delusional state that he's been left in because the media and the public and everybody coddles Cam because if there's any criticism of Cam, oh, my God, you're racist. It's been that way from start to finish. White athletes get lit up on a daily basis for doing damn near anything. And you know what? That's what makes them great. You can say whatever you want about Tom Brady. You can question him for having a a MAGA hat in his locker. You can say anything. I can remember going back. I mean, this ain't a football analogy, but I, I can remember... The crap uh, Ryan Lochte, the Olympic swimmer, got into down in Brazil and people lit him up like he went down there and committed armed robbery. And he really didn't do anything, but he got lit up and criticized. It made him better. Criticism makes you stronger if you're man enough to take it. Are we man enough? Lamar, I believe, is man enough. Are his critics man and woman enough to leave him alone and let him work it out? All this damn coddling—the the, the way this culture has changed. The how, remember the Titans, did, did remember the Titans win the Oscars for Best Picture or something? Probably. It, 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 I know it was successful. And the, how this culture has changed. How you could—you can't even make scenes like that in a movie anymore. Uh, TJ Moe was a much better athlete than I was, more successful. Played in the SEC,
4: played at Mizzou. Uh, was it, started for three years or four? I uh, did not play at all my first year. I was a true freshman that, that had no business being on the field, and then uh, started for three years after. Yeah, TJ Moe much more successful than I am.
3: I was. Uh, am I right here that criticism is
4: actually a vegetable? Oh, absolutely. If. Who who is the single athlete that we all, for my lifetime at least, I was born in 1990, so this was already true. Just about when I was five years old, this was true. The single athlete, you say, who is inarguably the greatest at their sport? It is Michael Jordan. We all just watched his documentary where he said, and I took that personally 10,000 times. He was so respected and so beloved that he didn't get any criticism and he knew that was his vegetable so he made it up himself over and over i think criticism creates opportunity and it reveals character over and over and over again and when you strip that away from someone then you are making the decision for them to not allow their growth i mean truly there's nothing worse you can do to someone than to lie to their face because this is essentially what it is you are telling them are. Don't worry, buddy. This is not your fault. You don't have anything to worry about. We will take care of you. Well, one, that, what that does, is that creates resentment in the locker room because you're blaming someone. If you're not winning games and the guys uh, on offense are not producing, well, normally you'd look at the quarterback and say he obviously missed that throw. Or we could talk about the seven sacks that he took that game. I mean, if we're, if we're going to blame him uh, if, we're, if we're not going to blame him for anything, we're in big trouble here because we're giving him all sorts of credit for being a guy that runs for a 1,000 yards, but suddenly we can't avoid sacks. I mean, there's obvious criticism to be had here, but if we're unwilling to do any of it, there's a lot of teammates looking around wondering, do we get to blame Lamar? Can we have our own conversations in here? Because he sure seems like he's off limits. The seven sacks, there's an argument that he's holding
3: the ball too long. You, is that the argument you're selling? There's another argument. His
4: offensive line is not playing as well. Well, like I said, I mean, yes, he's holding the ball too long if you're watching the games. I think that's obvious. But I think the larger point is we give him so much credit for being the guy, okay, he's, he's not the most effective passer all the time. But his legs are so useful he makes up for it. Well, why are we taking seven sacks then? Because you should be the guy that can escape and make positive yards or at the very least not lose a ton of yards over and over again. There are only two teams outside of the Ravens that have more sacks than Lamar Jackson himself. Remember, Lamar missed a game. They had six sacks that game that he missed, so obviously the offensive line's not good. But there are only two teams in the entire league that have more sacks than Lamar Jackson has taken himself. There's something there. There's some criticism to be had, but we're so unwilling to even allow him to address that. This is not a kid that needs help with criticism. He's a guy that, that words around the t-shirt, nobody cares, work harder, okay? His attitude is bring it. This is a guy that didn't hire an agent. He's not, he's not afraid of criticism. He doesn't need anybody to coddle him. As far as I can tell, if you go read the Rolling Stones article from, from last week, I don't think he's vaccinated either. So he's a guy that as we go, he's doing things that brings criticism. Have you heard it? Because I haven't.
3: No. I mean, they're not. No. Lamar Jackson is off limits. Social media has done that. The, the pundit class at ESPN and Fox Sports has done that. If you criticize Lamar Jackson, either you're a sellout, me, or you're racist, you, or white people, or Tony Romo and Jim Nance. And it, it's I honestly say this. I'm rooting for Lamar Jackson, love his attitude, love what he represents, respect the fact that he's not vaccinated. The reason I'm criticizing him, like my expectations for him are very high. And I mean, I hate to go super duper big picture, but but, but we need to do it. One of the reasons this culture and this whole little coddling of black athletes is going on is because when you emasculate the family and remove the man from the family situation and the day to day engagement with their sons and even their daughters but particularly their sons my dad I would have to I've not had a harsher critic than my dad and it was because he loved me Mm -hmm. and it's because he wanted the best for me and so there was nothing that I did until the day that he died at age 76. And I was well into my 30s or 40s at that time when he he passed. And I had far exceeded my father's level of success and was responsible for my father's well-being and blah, blah, blah. But he was still my harshest critic. And that's what baffles me about the people and their dealings with Lamar Jackson and a lot of these other athletes. Is that people that actually have high expectations for them want to see them do well those are the people that will publicly criticize them and call out what they're doing wrong because I believe Lamar is capable of correcting it and do it because I've seen it in the past I've seen him play better than what he's playing this season now you TJ we've talked on it, you've raised some questions to me last night when we were talking about this game and talking about Lamar's performance this year is is you think his throwing motion his sidearm throwing motion is a problem
4: that may not be fixable this is true I Part of this is from personal experience. I played quarterback in high school, obviously at a substantially lower level than uh, Lamar Jackson. I wasn't even wanted as a college quarterback. But I can tell you when you throw at three quarters arm, when you throw side arm, you are begging for inconsistencies. The reason we talk about quarterback mechanics all the time, if you watch, I got to spend a year with the Patriots. Tom Brady would stand up in the weight room while the rest of us were working out, and he would stand there and practice his throwing motion over and over and over without a ball while the rest of us are sitting there bench press and he would say I'm not here to bench press 225 pounds I'm here to be a good football player he would practice his mechanics over I mean he would do it obviously he was still working out he would stand there and do ten air reps with no ball he'd look down at his feet make sure they were set They with the part that he wanted he'd turn his hips he would make sure everything all the timing was set this is in 2013 after he had been to five Super Bowls okay now he's been to whatever it is four or five more this is the proper mechanics. That's all he cares about, working on how to be that consistent in exactly the same way every single time. There are the rare guys like Patrick Mahomes, who we will get to at some point here, who can do it over and over and over again. Brett Favre, Philip Rivers. Those are guys that are so rare, they can do it on the run, they can go overhand, underhand, it doesn't really matter. But even those guys are erratic the guys who are absolutely consistent over and over and over again, you can take a snapshot of them from the waist up all the time, Aaron Rodgers, and it looks the exact same. You don't know where he is, you can, you can actually Photoshop him into another video and it looks the exact same way. So this is just who he's going to be. So there is a part of us that should change our expectations that he's gonna have the game like he had against the Colts where he had like 86% completion percentage and four touchdowns, no interceptions, where he couldn't miss because he's one of the most gifted athletes on the planet. And then he's going to have a lot of games where he can't complete a pass. That's just who he is. So that raises the question,
3: if you're, if you buy my narrative and the idiom that a lot of coaches preach, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. If he's not likely to get better as a passer, what would you do as if you were running the Baltimore Ravens you get to this offseason after his fourth year in the NFL. This is when quarterbacks, generally speaking, come off their rookie contracts and get those big, multi year, huge contracts. This is when Patrick Mahomes, I believe, got his money. What do you do if you're the Baltimore Ravens? TJ Moe, not, not whoever's running the Ravens, not John Harbaugh. What would TJ Moe tell the Baltimore Ravens? How should they assess
4: pain? Lamar Jackson and what type of results can they expect moving forward? Well, so far as payment, it is interesting. You're actually dealing directly with him. There's no agent involved. And this is one of the rare guys. I don't know if there's another guy that we really know about in the NFL who does this. So you're going to see what he thinks he's worth, not what his agent. He's not listening to a guy who's trying to tell him what he's worth. You're going to get the honest Lamar Jackson. That I find really interesting because that's going to tell us a lot about where he thinks he is in his own progression. If I were trying to maximize Lamar Jackson's value moving forward, I would change the entire offense. There have been three or four guys that we have watched fizzle out because it's not like college where you can, the the field is 53 and a third yards and you use the whole thing. It's just, it's just different in the NFL. Your hashes are way closer. It's a much more clumped up game. And so things work in college and the athletes aren't as good. In the NFL, it takes you a year, two, if you're really good, three years to figure out a quarterback. We've seen this with RG3. He was rookie of the year, out of the league and worthless. Now he's working for ESPN. We saw this with Cap, took the 49ers a Super Bowl, out of the league, worthless. Uh, we, may be, we may be seeing this right now with Josh Allen. You know you just made people crash and burn with that
3: cap statement (laughs) a lot of people think you know he should be signed today but anyway josh
4: allen that's a pretty good reference josh (inaudible) allen has got a rocket arm and he's one of the faster people in the nfl which is unbelievable if you've seen him run that but people are catching up you're watching him right now where he had his upswing last year maybe figure him out cam newton mvp 2015 went to super bowl fell right back down it is the better athletes in the league that rely a little bit more on their size, Cam Newton, than, than their arm and mechanics, and you catch up to them. So how would you go about trying to utilize these guys long-term? Change the offense. Figure out a new wrinkle, a new way to use them, and then they have to figure that out. But you can't. The, the problem we have is we say, okay, this offensive coordinator needs to be with this quarterback, and they need to get comfortable together so that they can be efficient. But then the defense gets just as comfortable with you. Changing it up is not the worst thing in the world. If I was trying to maximize Lamar Jackson, that's what I'd do. How do you
3: change up? And you've dodged the question of what you would pay. I hear it's a nice dodge because you've suggested a solution. They need a new offense. I think that's difficult. With there's only so many different things you can do. I I think in, in, in the NFL. Uh, but I, before I ask for what wrinkle, no, let me ask that. What wrinkle to the offense could they do with with Lamar
4: Jackson? There's different levels of this. We've seen it. Um, uh, we saw Chip Kelly has his own version. We saw that where there's minimal running, but there are there's a ton of jet sweeps, and you, there's a ton of misdirection. And so you have to have the right athletes around it to do that. It can't always be the straightforward power running stuff that the Ravens have always been. So you just figure out ways to get your slots more involved in the running game. Those guys are now running pitch path coming off. you having one guy come across, you fake the jet sweep, have the other guy, the running back now is running pitch path, and you actually make him a pseudo-runner. The thing about Lamar Jackson is is I think you need to treat him like, like a running back. So to answer your question about the pay, you do not pay him. It is the same as paying a, an old running back. How, how valuable are running backs in this league today? For years, we wouldn't pick them in the first round. Now they're coming back. Ezekiel Elliott went fourth. It happens occasionally, but you know that they're going to run their course, and then they're not long-term solutions. So if, you're, if, if you view him through that prism of he is a very, very valuable running back that you have an extra blocker for because you don't have to waste a quarterback who's just standing there to hand it to him. I wouldn't pay him.
3: You don't pay Lamar Jackson and all hell breaks loose. You, you know, John, because one people are saying, John Harbaugh, he got a contract extension off of Lamar Jackson that they've exploited and used, and now they're discarding Lamar Jackson, and you know what's coming right behind that. That's racist. <laughs> That's racist. How can you do that to Lamar Jackson? That's
4: racist. Two highest paid guys in the league are both black, right? Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Yeah. So we can start there. Dak Prescott's in there too, Dak at number Prescott's three. in there. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is like, we that's can. That's racist. That's right. <laughs> we can go down the line and say, five years from now, if Lamar does not develop his arm, who do you want? We can go down the list, Russell Wilson. You can even throw Dak in there, as an arm guy. I don't know that I would buy that. But we can go down the list, he might be 15th. I mean, you actually look at, if his arm doesn't develop, and you know he's slowing down. Keep in mind, we talked about sacks a second ago, eventually, that starts to take a toll. It's one thing if he's running the ball and he can dodge his way out of bounds or do what receivers do and sort of duck under. It's another thing when you're standing in the pocket getting crushed. So you're not gonna protect him and then you're telling him, don't worry about developing as a passer. We're just gonna utilize you in the run game and we're gonna hope you get back to the MVP form, and, uh, form that you were in 2019 before people figured you out. If I'm evaluating Lamar Jackson, he is a running back to me and you treat him as such.
3: Uh- if I'm right, the Ravens are eight and four right now. And look at these last five games that they have. I think we got a graphic here. They got to play at Cleveland. Uh, they host Green Bay, at Cincinnati, and then they host the Rams and the Steelers. Uh, that there's no gimmies left on that. Pittsburgh is the closest thing to a gimme, and Pittsburgh just beat them last night. Uh, we, we could be this, this, they're eight and four. They could easily, you could look at that and say, whoa, this got 10 and seven written all over it. Could be nine and eight uh, written all over it. And if Lamar Jackson in a contract year goes 10 and seven, nine and eight, I think we're going to hear people. Comp- That's racist. That's racist. They're not paying Lamar what he worth. They done kicked him to the curb. He, it's Cam. It's Cap, It's a different version of Colin Kaepernick. I'm not sure if I want. All right, I want to move on to uh, another one of my favorite quarterbacks, uh, Patrick Mahomes, who we saw Uncle Jimmy at the top of the show. He, he's a homer for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, I'm a homer for Patrick Mahomes. He plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, Patrick Mahomes... I'm shocked. Uh, 25 TDs, 12 interceptions, I think, right now for the season. And he's not the same guy. And, and I go all the way back. We were having this discussion earlier this morning. I, I go, but something's up with the Chiefs offense ever since the Super Bowl weekend, and Andy Reid's son got in that car accident. And that offense and that team hasn't been the same. I know they beat the Broncos last night, uh, 22-9. But Mahomes is not playing at a high level. You said something. You followed his career at Texas Tech closer than I did. Uh, You think
4: we're seeing the Patrick Mahomes that was at Texas Tech? Yeah, I think there's two big things in play here. We'll start at Texas Tech. I followed him closely at Texas Tech. He was unbelievable. I mean, he was appointment television back then, but he played at Texas Tech, so I was the only guy watching him. The defenses were unbelievably bad. If you go through the years, 2014, the defense allowed 42 point, uh, 41.2 points a game. 2015, they allowed 43.6 points a game. In 2016, it was 43.5. That was bottom four in the country every single year. So he had to go out and outscore the worst defense in the country every time that he played at Texas Tech, and he knew that going into the game. Well, he had a really good offensive coach in Cliff Kingsbury, and he was basically given the green light to go take any risk he wanted to, so he did. If you watch him, I mean, his stats were pretty unbelievable. I think his, his uh, final year there, he's a junior. I think he threw ten interceptions and forty something touchdowns. So a four to one obviously is is magnificent, but if you go watch the film, there was a lot of of. Risky throws that college DBs couldn't take advantage of and it happened a ton the big 12 certainly when he played not necessarily known for their defense And so he was tossing things up and making things happen because he had to outscore the worst defenses literally in the country The other thing that that I think is going on well to extend that to the chiefs the chiefs at the beginning of this year their defense has been Unbelievably good the last five years uh, the last five games the first five games they allowed 32.6 points per game They were unbelievably bad he went right back to college Patrick Mahomes saying 32 points per game in the NFL is equivalent to 40-something points in college. So he's saying, I have to outscore them. Now, they've turned the corner now. They're only allow, uh, averaging, allowing 11 points per game in the last five. So they've been really good, but Patrick Mahomes hasn't turned that off. The other thing I is in play is your, is your Coach Reed thing. I think he's not been the same. I actually think Patrick Mahomes, he's outside of his optimal performance zone. You know, he's got his, obviously, he needs to take a certain level of risk to be himself, but if he takes too much, this is who he turns into. I think when Britt Reed got in the car accident, Patrick Mahomes was the only guy pulling his weight in that Super Bowl. If you watch some of those plays, I mean, the, he's got his iconic play that would, had they turned it around, been, an, been on a poster forever, upside down, throwing a pass that hit his receiver in the face in the end zone and got dropped, he was very good. I think Andy Reed, and we could turn this into a discussion about Eric Biennemi too, I think reads the offensive genius who has not been the same. So now you have a guy who's not scheming up ways to get your receivers running wide open down the field and you have a defense that you think is not performing well. Well, suddenly Patrick Mahomes thinks he has to do absolutely everything and it's not working out well.
3: Patrick Mahomes certainly puts on a Superman cape. And it blows up in his face from time to time. So I, I kind of like that narrative of his mindset going into games is like, man, I got to go out here and outscore score these people. And he also maybe be like, and my head coach is suffering right now with things going on in his personal life, maybe can't spend as much energy and focus on the team as he can. Because I'm just sorry if my son was in a battle for his life, I would be distracted as well. And I, I think, and I've said this from the outset, Andy Reid's been carrying Eric Bienemy. and so Eric Bienemy can't pick up the offense right now when Andy Reid is distracted, and Patrick Mahomes is, is paying a, a price for that. Uh, we got an interesting graphic that I'll get to, and then we'll move on, but uh, the last five home games for Patrick Mahomes uh, in in the previous 23 home games Mahomes recorded one ga- one home game where his passer rating was below 75 his last five home games his passer rating has been below 75 in each one of those from 2018 to 2020 Mahomes recorded two games 46 starts with a QB rating below 75 this season, he has recorded a QB rating below 75 in six of 12 starts. Something, and they, we didn't even talk about, Patrick Mahomes is a new father. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's some extra stress and burden on him. Mm-hmm. And you know he got all that new money as well. Uh, but anyway, Patrick Mahomes, I gotta probably agree with Uncle Jimmy a little bit. I'm not as concerned with him as I am concerned with the things around him, uh, from the enemy to Andy Reid's distraction to the whole Britt Reid thing hanging over the team. All right, stick around. Uh, Shamika Michelle is going to join us next. We're going to talk about uh, Good Santa on HBO Max. I watched some of the, I'm sorry, Good Santa. (laughs) I'm thinking of Good Ranchers. Santa, Inc., on HBO Max, Uh, but before we do any of that, I want to tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Uh, I'm going to be a good Santa Claus because Good Ranchers got all kinds of deals for you. It is Christmas time, and you're probably looking for the perfect gifts. Don't buy another gadget that ends up breaking before New Year's Eve. Instead, give them Good Ranchers, a box of 100% American meat that's steakhouse quality, from parents to siblings, friends to co-workers, and everyone in between, they'll all love the delicious cuts Good Ranchers delivers straight to their door. Give a gift they'll remember for years to come. Get your Good Ranchers box or gift card today Tis the season for open hearts and full stomachs. Use my code FEARLESS for $20 off and free shipping. Just go to GoodRanchers.com fearless or use the promo code FEARLESS at checkout to take advantage of this special holiday offer today. There's Good Ranchers and fearless army soldiers in your family. Send them the perfect gift. Food from Good Ranchers. American farm raised food support good ranchers because they support you. They support me. They support our point of view. Uh, show, Shamika, Michelle. All right. Welcome back. Uh, what a segue from talking about Lamar Jackson and, uh, Patrick Mahomes to talking about Santa Inc. HBO Max has put out, it's a six or seven part series. Each episode's about 20, 25 minutes. It's, it's a cartoon series called Santa Inc. They say it's an adult cartoon, uh, but <laughs> they know who's going to watch cartoons about Christmas and Santa Claus kids. Uh, this thing. Is one of the sickest things I've ever seen. Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman uh, should be run out. They should be canceled for putting this out. Here's a little excerpt and clip from Santa Inc.
0: You gotta get into me with that jolly bitch, bitch.
2: I know you're right, but do you really have to call me bitch every time you say something? Yes, bitch, because it's empowering to call you bitch, bitch.
4: Let's go over what we know. Santa and the board are all male and all white. They play golf, drink, smoke cigars, say things like, don't ever marry your mistress.
2: Just so you know, the women of the North Pole make fun of one of your dicks. Have fun wondering whose it is.
3: (sighs) That's only just a small taste of the profanity and the wickedness of this cartoon. There's one of them reindeers or whatever in the first episode is talking about having three and four way sex with other reindeers. And I'm like, this is clearly directed at kids. This, is, The thing is so woke, so, you know, racist. It's, I, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe that HBO put this out. I can't believe that Sarah Silverman and Seth Rogen would even formulate this. And so I wanted to talk to a parent uh, about this. And I know T.J., you and your wife got a kid, right? Seven-month-old. Yeah, seven-month-old. And Shamika Michelle has three kids. Most of them are grown. I think she's got a 16-year-old. Uh, a grown daughter and one in college. But anyway, I, I just had to get other people's perspective. So I asked Shamika uh, to watch. And Shamika, I'm just wondering did this thing strike you the same way that it struck me?
0: Jason, first of all, I thought it was funny that they got rid of the black man who was going to be the successor to Santa Claus in the first episode. And then the next three <laughs> episodes, the feminists spent the entire time trying to be equal to the white man. So I was thinking, is this? did they do this on purpose to mess with people like me, or is this really life imitating so-called art? This is why that I don't care what color the feminist is, she can kiss my ass, because this is exactly what is happening in real life. All they wanna do is get rid of the black man, which is why I turn uh, uh, my nose up to black feminists who joins in this foolishness. Every male in this uh, show was either a misogynist or somebody that was just an asshole, or he was a beta male. There were there were no positive men in this show at all, and so. You know, people say, you get this out of just a cartoon. I got this all out of a cartoon. And it made me feel like I was uh, Damon Wayans in in the show In Living Color when he was the prison guard. Like the proclamation of the ejaculation when he was the prisoner, because this is what I got out of the show. And I just couldn't believe that what my eyes were seeing. I just couldn't.
3: Yeah, so the gist of the show is that there, Sarah Silverman's character, little white girl, Jewish girl, and again, this is what they say in the cartoon, I'm not making it up, that uh, has been chosen as the successor to Santa Claus. And literally for the first 10 minutes of the show, there was a black man uh, who appeared to be heterosexual that was going to be the successor of, of the show, but they got rid of him. He took a job at Amazon within the first 10 minutes of the show and left the North Pole. And, and that was it for, that was the last straight black man to be seen at the North Pole. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I'm going tell you, the other thing that I love was the reindeer, the little female reindeer, uh, and who to me, tell me if I'm right or wrong, Shamika, they certainly presented her as if she were a black woman, at least by voice, and it's yeah, it voiced by a black woman. And then Rudolph, I think, was a black male reindeer, and they were at each other's throats, fighting out in the street, uh, couldn't get along, and rivals and pitted against each other. And I'm just and look, maybe that may be. The most accurate thing in the in the whole movie or the whole cartoon, <laughs> but I'm sitting there like, also this is what Sarah Silverman and Seth Rogen, this is what two white Jews think of black people and think of how they fight out in. The st- I mean, it, this was like a a blood. It wasn't a bloodbath, but they they were bucking out in the middle of the street like the Bloods and the Crips, uh, with all the white people standing around watching. And I, was, I just don't know how many other stereotype what did they leave a stereotype off the table?
0: They didn't because don't forget once the black man was gone, she found out he was a drug dealer. remember he had been giving everybody those meth chocolate bars so they covered pretty much every stereotype they could) <laughs> <laughs>
3: TJ, I have <laughs> you listen to two black people talk about this thing. Now, anyway, I, I shouldn't even set it up that way. But as a father, as someone, and this is personal to me because I love Christmas cartoons. Oh yeah, I mean I love them, and can, at 54, I can watch Christmas cartoons. Uh, whatever the one where I'm Mister Miser, he's Mister. I'm telling. Love Santa Claus is coming to town or whatever. That's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. But
4: how did any of this strike you? Uh, I have learned. I'm 31 years old now. So you you learned, unfortunately, to view the world through politics, which is just the most unfortunate thing you could possibly have. Uh, But if you don't, it's a bit naive. You learn there's a lot of manipulation. There was, this was basically the Democratic platform on display. The patriarchy, don't have children, it's the worst thing ever. Abortion jokes, sexism, racism. You know, uh, old, fat, bald, white guy over there, Santa, is the demon. He's out smoking cigars. That's the way they view the world, as you guys pointed out. And, um, and it's... If, I don't know if you noticed, the cartoon was actually created, it wasn't like a normal cartoon, it's not like South Park. They actually, the Rudolph cartoon that we, the one we actually like, it's created the same way, that's what it looks like. And so they did it differently, it's like, okay, do not insult us, this is not for adults, this is for children, and it is further indoctrination, Let's let's start spoon feeding them some of this crap early so that it's mainstream, it's okay, they're sixth graders, well maybe you are a girl, maybe you're a boy, we'll decide later. It is indoctrination, it is evil, and it should be called as such. Shamika, you made a point of referencing how
3: they portrayed Mrs. Claus. And I mean, and I'm just telling you, this is directed at kids, and there's a scene of Mrs. Claus going down on Santa Claus in the bedroom. I'm just, this is directed at kids but they portrayed Mrs. Claus as a complete clown and insignificant.
0: Right, they have her saying in here that she thought she was going to be an agent for change, but she ended up just being a wife. So I feel like they even tried to diminish the role of a wife and how important a wife is. She talked about how she hadn't had oral sex from Santa in 20 years. So they made her appear as if she was nothing more but his, uh, you know, love slave. He didn't listen to her. He didn't want to please her. He didn't have real conversation with her and she was just so unhappy. And so they That made me upset as well because I realized the role that wives play to husbands, which I feel like is very important. But to this, in this, they were trying to make it seem like a wife was just a terrible role to have. You even had the wife who had the baby, who acted as if she was a single mother that called her husband a bitch and just pretty much ran the house and acted like she had to do everything. She went to work, she took care of the baby. It was just, it really made women look terrible unless you were that woman that was trying to compete with the white man.
3: Uh, So Seth Rogen thinks any of the criticism of this cartoon and show is all a reflection of white supremacy. And so maybe we're holding a, a white supremacy rally right now, me, you, and TJ uh, what do you think of his deflection that, you know, criticism of this is, is just a reflection of how white supremacists we are?
0: Well, I guess maybe he thinks that white people are the only people that can have a brain and and realize that this is pathetic. It's a pathetic excuse excuse for art. It's not good, it's not funny. So maybe that is Seth Rogan feeling like only white people can actually think about something and see through his bullshit because of course, I'm not a white supremacist, but I thought this show was trash, period.
3: Uh, TJ, being the resident white supremacist on this show, mm. uh, is, 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 is your, uh, criticism of this coming out of, you know, your feelings of supremacy? So I'm told.
4: Yes, so I'm <laughs> told. No, I will tell you that I think, uh, when I, when I imagine Seth Rogen and who he is, this character of Santa is actually a pretty good representation, so I think he did a good acting job of himself. It makes a lot of sense. Huh.
3: I, I got, I'm just some people may be sitting there. Why is Whitlock talking about this? Because this is what I keep trying to tell my friends and anybody that doesn't get where the left is going. They're after your kids. They're trying to reprogram your kids. They don't want your kids to be a reflection of your worldview particularly if your worldview has anything to do with Christianity, Jesus Christ, God, a biblical worldview. These cartoons, this type of stuff in popular culture is directed to indoctrinate and corrupt your kids from the values that some of you, I don't know what percentage, but most of our audience are probably trying to instill uh, in your kids This is satanic. I'm just sorry, there's no other way to describe this, to put this kind of messaging directed at kids. Because this whole thing is directed at kids. The only adults that would watch this, because again, I've hate watched some of it so I could talk about it. But the only other group of people that would watch this would have to get so high on some sort of drug or so drunk on alcohol, and it's like, hey, we're having a party, and so let's watch this Santa Inc. while we're high and drunk, and then maybe you'll find it funny in that regard. But it's really directed at kids. Immature, simple-minded people, and I don't say that derisively or disparagingly, young people or tend to be simple-minded it's no different than how i felt after watching the colin kaepernick thing on netflix i was like this is an after-school deal directed at kids anybody of any intelligence or sophistication can see how bs this colin kaepernick thing is it's all of this stuff they're doing is directed at kids and to corrupt their minds and we got to stand against it Shamika, thank you so much Uh, appreciate you Uh, we're gonna keep it moving I wish I could keep you around Shamika for this next conversation because I'm going back in on Deion Sanders and Brittany Renner me and Uncle Jimmy talked about it on Friday Uh, today we're gonna bring in Rashad McCants former NBA player former NBA first-round pick dated a Kardashian I think he knows a thing or two about groupies and whether it was appropriate or not for Deion Sanders to bring in uh, the Instagram attention whore, Brittany Renner. And again, you guys have heard me say, uh, early, you know, years ago, I was addicted to Brittany's uh, Instagram feed, bundle of Brittany, just five, six years ago when I was living out in LA. I spent a lot of time Perusing her Instagram, I'm, flat, I'm glad I kicked that habit. But anyway, Rashad McCann's...
0: We all want to go together with freedom. It's my obligation, to hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom.
3: All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to roll out to Las Vegas and bring in uh, Rashad McCants. Uh, I think on Friday we talked a little about a bit about Deion Sanders bringing in Instagram model Brittany Renner, who's kind of infamous. She ended up getting pregnant by P.J. Washington, young kid in the NBA. Uh, she's you know been attached to a wide variety. She's like the uh, African-American version of the Kardashians. She's bounced around from, uh, you know, celebrity athlete from, the, she at one point, she was uh, Colin Kaepernick's side piece, I think early in his career in San Francisco. Uh, and so now she's Instagram famous, you know, has millions of followers, and she's had this baby by PJ Washington, and I think they briefly got married and then quickly Went the other direction and ended their relationship, uh, but you know, she's the stereotypical, very famous groupie. Dion, as the head coach of Jackson State, for some reason, brought her in to speak to his uh, team. We played you a clip uh, from that visit uh, on Friday, but here's another clip from her appearance uh, with the Jackson State football team. Oh my God. God. Hi.
1: Hi. Going on Instagram, and they see you. And what happens? They try to get off in them DMs and kind of take us on the journey of how this is played out.
2: I mean, honey, like, I feel like my DMs, it's like a Nike store. There's nothing but checks. So it just, for me, I feel like- Hold on,
5: hold on, hold on, hold on. They missed that game. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing
2: but blue checks.
1: They missed that game right there. She says like a Nike store. It's like a
2: Nike store. There's nothing but blue checks. So honestly, when you reach a certain status, you can have the pick of the litter. So for me, she don't
5: mean checks, she
1: mean blue checks.
2: I'm talking heavy hitters. Some of y'all's favorite rappers, uh, NBA players, football players. It's like, to me, once you reach that level just of popularity, the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want. And for me, my whole journey on here, I felt like my life almost felt like I was in Disney World. Like I lived in Disney World. Like. You get to skip the line. You get privilege. Like, people just want to be next to you. They don't even see you as human anymore. And you can either, you know, use it to your advantage and maybe abuse it, or you can, you know, try to make something happen. So, a lot of guys who are in my DM, you're in my DM because of, I'm Brittany Renner.
1: I,
3: how is anything she said? helpful, educational, uplifting, beneficial to those athletes in the room. When you're Britney Renner, it's like you're in Disney World and there's just a lineup of male penises all in my DMs and I just get my pick. I get whatever size I want, whatever flavor I want. It's all available for me because I'm Britney Renner. Who puts that in front of a group of young men? That was like a hype video for young girls with no direction. You too can be Brittany Renner. If you shake your rear end well enough on Instagram and do enough crunches and stair masters and whatever it takes to build up great abs and a great butt, you, too, can live in Disney World where athletes and rappers and the who's who, everybody, presidents, Trump, Biden, but Obama, they all DM me. They all want a piece. Oh, I'm just I'm just this was not a good look for Dion. This is two people in love with attention, Dion and Brittany Renner who used a group of young boys to garner more attention for themselves. But that's just me, a fat old man talking. Uh, I want to bring in a young person who actually uh, maybe has some experience in this lane. Uh, Rashad McCants, former first-round NBA draft pick, former Minnesota Timberwolf, uh national champion at North Carolina. Uh, did Roy Williams ever bring any instagram hoes to come speak to the north carolina basketball team and if he had would it have been educational for you
5: well i'll tell you one thing it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been like prime Time's video back in 1989 and i remember it being called must be the money so you're looking at Dion, right? You're you're holding judgment on Dion, but we that wasn't Dion in the video. That was prime time. Prime time is back. Prime time is back, and he brought the groupies in. He ready to go. He ready to show the players what the next side of life looks like when you get to to the pros, and he wasn't sugarcoating it with this. So Deacon Dion that got the job just show his his true self. Prime time. That's prime time showing the players what the distraction actually looks like. But it's, a, it, you know, full transparency. You got to look at me and, and who I am in this instance. I'm a, I'm a fruit inspector here, right? So I get to you look at the fruit, tell if it's rotten or not. I know by your fruit, Dion, that you picked the wrong fruit for the guys to actually pick from this tree. You could have picked anybody to give this example of what it looks like to be um, an athlete picking and choosing his spots at the next level. Women to look out for. You got Emma Smith. You got people that you play. Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin, no prime time is back. Deion done pretty much abandoned shit right now. So it looks like, you know, Deion, uh, he did kind of went left and said, you know, I'm gonna go prime because I need recruiting upgrades. I need to get some incentive to these black players to come down here and rock with me because we bring the strip club to the university.
3: I gotta say that's one of the things I thought about that like, this was a clever version of the University of Louisville having strippers come to campus on the basketball, this is like a clever push the envelope. We, we basically have brought the world's most famous Instagram stripper or whatever, because, uh, you know, she, she, she covers her nipples up, but that's about it on Instagram. Everything else is exposed. And and I, I, I just, he could have brought PJ Washington in to talk to those players. And let him break down the dangers of falling in love with somebody you meet over Instagram, with with falling in love with the forbidden fruit. And and the other thing I, I don't like about this is there wasn't one football player from an HBCU drafted last year. And so I'm saying that to say Dion's locker room is not filled with NFL prospects. She wasn't talking to the Ohio State football team. She's talking to kids at an HBCU that just had a very nice season, but maybe one of those guys may get a sniff of coffee in the NFL, maybe one. And so they're never, this life that Dion is allegedly preparing them for they're never gonna have a blue check. So they're never gonna be in her DMs or get any attention in her DMs. I just don't think he was trying to prepare those young boys. I said it on Friday and I'm gonna say it again. That looks like, I don't know whether it's true, but what it looks like is Dion wants to tap Brittany Renner. He wants a bundle of that
5: Brittany. <laughs> Okay, look. <laughs> we have to understand one thing, though. With She's already gone on record saying that athletes are dumb and that women out there should use athletes for sex for a big check. Now, she came on record to say that and then Dion invited her in. The same person that called us dumb is going to come in here and teach us how not to be dumb with women. So it's a... It's a total smack in the face from that standpoint. And you got to look at Dion. He has a great track record for investing in the next generation, Prime Academy. You know, he's done a lot of things. He's a game-changing performer. One of the greats. I look at him like I looked at Mike. But this move right here to bring in someone like Brittany and not bring in someone like your wife, Miss Tracy Edmonds, who is a lady, who is a woman, who presents herself to be something that you strive to go towards as a gentleman that's at an HBCU and we're forming and creating new culture from the standpoint of Deion Sanders cultivating and creating a new environment for black athletes. You will put Brittany Renner up there as an example of who we go, who we're going after, who we should go after. I mean, I would be insulted if I'm not the example, an epitome of what a woman should be or a man should be, if somebody's using the example and I'm next to you all the time. So it looks like, to me, if you're looking at a recruiting advantage, is this what Nick Saban is doing to bring kids into Alabama? Is this what it looks like when you're actually using recruiting tools to bring in kids? Deion Sanders don't need that. You got too many resources, too many relationships with real testimony to bring in an IG model that everybody
3: just wanna. It looks bad. Uh, TJ, I wanna ask you this. I don't know, and were you ever into Instagram? Not really. I mean, it was around, and I have one, but do you know the name Jen Stelter? Never heard of her. She would've been popular probably in your college days. She's the original Instagram butt model in terms of <laughs> her booty is the first one to go platinum on Instagram. And so if they had brought in Jen Stelter, and, and I'm, I'm showing you some pictures, and these are these are kind of older. This isn't her from her heyday. Okay. Uh, these are kind of her more recent ones. But if they had brought Jen Stelter in, and she had put her number one asset on display, as Brittany Renner did, they brought her into the University of Mizzou to speak to your team. I said on Friday, if it was me, and they brought her into Ball State, anything that came out of her mouth would sound like the teacher on Charlie the Brown. Wah, 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 wow. wah. I'd be so focused on her top assets that I couldn't hear anything she said, and nothing she said would register with me. And I would spend all my time debating, like, is my coach tapping that? <laughs> and, and when he's done tapping it, do we have a shot? Th- that would be the conversation I would anticipate going on in the locker room.
4: So my coach is a 65-year-old white guy, so the, the, the conversation would have been, how the hell did he pull this off to get her there? <laughs> That's what we would have suggested. The, the, the big question is, uh, I, I didn't see the whole clip here of Dion, but I never saw her get to the, here are the demons, so therefore here's what you should do. She basically just said, here are the demons, good luck. Yeah. And the other thing is, what an idiotic approach. Because if you, want, if you want to develop men, you teach them values so that when they reach the situation, they know how to react. You don't give them the situation and say, look out. Right? I mean, that's all he did. He said, look out, there's going to be a really hot girl, like the one sitting right here, and she's going to tempt you and and make good decisions, okay? Well, how do you do that? We had something at Mizzou. What we actually did do, we brought in Navy SEALs. Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, came in and spoke to us one year. We had, um, we actually, they wanted to give us the very clear message that not all of you are going pro. In fact, probably very few our team wasn't that good. Almost none of us went pro. You know, so that what they're saying was we have... Medical trainers here and you need to know what they did to become men So he's gonna come up and talk today and and it's his presentation good luck We did the same thing with our uh, equipment manager. We did the same thing, you know down the line of like the men And here are the values that you want to have if you want to have a successful life and family And it's probably not gonna be in the pro so good luck and so they helped instill those values and and we had the talks But it was never something bad's gonna happen. So look out. It was always here are your values and apply them as you see fit
3: I, and Rashad, he takes me to one of my points because again, I like Dion. I try to support Dion. I, I don't pass judgment on Dion's walk. I, I've never dealt with the kind of fame and talent that Dion was blessed with, and I think that kind of fame and talent, there's a struggle to that. But but Dion professes a deep faith. And that's what I find most disconcerting. Dion and I are basically the same age, same year coming out of high school, I believe. And I just don't understand how he jives this with his faith, putting, basically, he put the snake in the room and and, and said, okay, guys, this, this is what the snake's gonna look like. Ask me after this is over and I'm going to tell you what the snake tastes like and mm-hmm. it tastes better than chicken, I can tell you that. And, but be careful. I, I just don't want to, why wouldn't he, he's a follower, he's a Christian, again, why isn't he putting people that reflect the values that he says he espouses, why isn't he putting that in front of their face and by putting Brittany Renner in front of their face, it creates the appearance that like, man, Dion talks this Fave stuff, but his values are really more Instagram model.
5: I agree. I mean, you gotta look at this as a gimmicky stunt and a cheap one at that, because for Britney, it's a bonus. She's doing a tour right now. So she's been on multiple platforms talking about the same thing. So for Dion to pick her up along the tour, and say, use my platform to increase your, you know, your visibility. That's a gimmick. And for him to do it in a way where he's trying to teach young men something. And that just feeds into the left, you know, when they're talking about the feminist, you know, actually taking over what men say, what men think, how men feel. And now she's in there telling them, this is how you get into my DM and get my attention. You have to have a blue check. And even if you have a blue check, there's a long line. So you look at Dion and his walk, and I call him Deacon Dion, because at some point it has to match up with prime time. Prime time was the old you. Deacon Dion is the new you. You are walking in this faith and you bring this to the table as some type of example of what young men should, should strive for or what you would say avoid. So if this is a young black woman that you're trying to rebuild and help her see that what she was doing was negative and wrong, you're putting her in a bad light now because you're showing them what you shouldn't see, what you shouldn't be engaged with. But the whole conversation never hit. It never hit for me because they never, she never answered questions. She never gave them real direction. He never held her accountable for the lack of information she's given. And the real, real question though, Since when does Deion Sanders not have enough information, wisdom, and knowledge to tell these guys exactly what to look forward to? Mr. Show me the money? He can't be? All the information these young boys need? On top of him and Michael Irvin? In Dallas? Come on, man. Something going on, it's a gimmick to me. So, if they were to put
3: you in front of those young boys, because uh, first you were first-round draft pick, you won a national championship in North Carolina, you dated Khloe Kardashian. What would you be trying to tell young college athletes uh, about the next phase of life, whether they make it in the pros or just out here in life? What would your message to them be?
5: It would be very easy and very simple. Your awareness and, and the people you keep around you is gonna be that perception, how people look at you. And if she's a predator and everyone's calling her a predator, you're gonna look like prey, depending on how you perceive yourself to people, what your perception is. So I would tell young kids, be wary of how you present yourself to the public. If you're presenting yourself as this flashy spender, you don't care about discretion, morals, integrity, You don't have any of these traditional values. They're going to take advantage of you because there is not an upbringing aspect of your character that can discern all of these different wicked ways from people that are trying to take advantage of you. And that's something we don't teach as men to even the younger men we have access to. P.J. Washington should have never been any type of victim because he has people around him that can discern whether or not you go after Jezebel or not, or you actually go after a woman. And so for Deion Sanders, it's unfortunate that he wouldn't put someone of a better stature in that position to explain that. But for me, I would definitely let these kids know that awareness and how you present yourself, how how you, you know, first impressions, everything that you disclose to the public now on social media, You can't just throw it out there because they're taking advantage of it. They're stalking. They're taking screenshots. They're figuring out a way to extort and exploit you. So be careful.
3: Uh, Thank you, Rashad. Uh, Great job. You know, TJ, one of the things uh, I I talk about all the time is like. People don't have private lives anymore and and john thompson the the legendary college basketball coach uh told people that people should have three lives uh, a private life a personal life and a public life and no one wants to have a private life anymore everybody wants their private life to be public that that's what I've always called social media from Twitter to Instagram, it's just the stage and everybody just performs. And again, when you understand a stage, it, it brings out inauthenticity or it makes you inauthentic because you're performing. And 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 so when you try to make your private life part of your performance, you just become inauthentic. And and you end up presenting a side of yourself that just really needs to be private. And so, to me, Dion, I don't think is married or whatever. If he wants to run around and engage with uh, Brittany Renner, keep it in your private life, man. It, it, it doesn't need to be, But and I, I, Dion is in full recruiting mode, but he needs to be careful, like what you go fishing with will determine what you catch. Mm. And so he's, Brittany Renner and this whole thing is about recruiting and look how much fun we having and look DeHaan done brought an Instagram model. Man, don't that look fun at Jackson State? I'm not, you may attract some guys, but I don't know if they're guys you can win with. I don't know if they're guys who you can count on in the clutch, are gonna add to the character and the culture that you're trying to create you're, you're going to attract clowns and people that are interested in clownish behavior. And, and I, I like Dion's real goal seems to be he wants one of these power five jobs. And, and he's competing with a lot of people that want those power five jobs. And he's just put out a piece of video that if I'm in competition with Dion for a job, I just send that video to the athletic director, the school president, and be like, Dion's gonna be some fun, but man, he's gonna create an atmosphere and a culture. And everybody, again, Florida State, Mizzou, Alabama, TCU that Dion interviewed for, those, there's the level of trouble just amps up from Jackson State. Jackson State's really kind of off the radar and, uh you know, I know Dion's brought them some attention. They won the SWAC, they won 11 and 1, but uh, the level of temptation is much greater at these Power Five schools. And the kind of trouble from Jameis Winston got into at Florida State, and we read stories about athletes getting in this kind of trouble. I'm just a school president and athletic director is like, man, Dion's gonna invite the clown show to our campus, and we may win some games. But eventually, it's going to blow up in scandal,
4: and we'll all lose our jobs. We saw this movie with Bobby Petrino on a motorcycle once upon a time. Uh, <laughs> I think we've been down this road. It's interesting, you, you mentioned what kind of guy do you want to get there, and ultimately, who can you win with? If you asked me why I went to Mizzou, I went to go play football, and then I picked a major. That's I cared first and foremost about football. I knew it was a big enough school I could get a good degree that could get me somewhere. After watching that, he's going to find a whole bunch of guys that want to date Instagram models, and then uh, they also would like to play football. I don't think that's the guys you want to have at your university. The second thing is, you are Deion Sanders. What do you have to prove? Did you really need to bring this girl in here to prove that you could? Your nickname is Primetime. Throw on your highlight clip and say... Mom and Dad, I'm going to help you build men. I've chosen to go to HBCU to help young black men. I want to turn you into men and turn you into people that our society will be proud of because you have succeeded. And along the way, I hope to get really good athletes that can go into the NFL and do some things there. And by the way... You can be primetime, too, and you'll get whatever Instagram model. Once you get there and you deal with that, and if you got questions, I coach you. You got my football. Uh, You got my phone number, okay? I don't need to teach you all this stuff now. Most of you won't get there. I'm going to teach you how to be men. I'm going to teach you how to play football, and I'm going to do it at a place that I'm passionate about at this HBCU. All this other stuff is nonsense. To me, it's an attention play. You could argue it's a bit of an insecurity play, too. He's at at a lower-level school. He's not there yet. He's still got to prove that he's primetime, doesn't have enough attention. I'm very much not a fan of it. I'm probably going to get into this tomorrow
3: or Wednesday at the latest, because you've led me to a bigger point that I'll just preview here, and then we'll get to Uncle Jimmy and a review of the show. But I, I think we think there's great value. I'm talking about black people and the way we disciple young people. We've pivoted. Eddie Robinson, Doug Williams, the quarterback from Grambling that won a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins, once told me about Eddie Robinson's coaching philosophy as it related to race. He said Eddie Robinson never talked about racism, and he said, and he he Doug once asked him about it, and Eddie says because when I send you out of here from Grambling, I want you convinced you can conquer the world. So I'm not going to weigh you down with any negativity and any like, oh, my God, the the world's against you. But because I want you to leave here as confident and as fearless as you possibly can. So I'm all I'm going to do is talk about the opportunities that's out there for you. And we have completely pivoted away from that, not just in sports, but in culture entirely. We think it's our job to tell young people, man, here's all the things that are going to screw you up. Here's all the obstacles that are gonna make it hard for you to ever be successful. Oh boy, there's racism out there and it's just lurking around every corner and you may think you're gonna get a job, but racism is gonna jump from around that corner and snatch it away from you. And we think that burdening and weighing down kids with all the bad stuff, that's our job. We're preparing them for how unfair life is. That's not how you compete. That, that, that's not, you know, every coach that I've ever played for, the, the message was like, man, we playing on the road, and they done hired the refs, but don't worry about it. If, if make a bad call, keep playing. Let's, let us take care of it. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, that's how you win in life. There's going to be unfairness. There's going to be people throwing banana peels at your feet. Gotta learn how to, you know, anyway, uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe like button. Give me the five star review. If you're listening on Apple, I love reading my reviews on Apple. You guys are doing a great job. Let's keep it rolling. Uncle Jimmy is going to come here and uh, tell us about how I did on today's show I know I did a marvelous job and we'll have an approval rating on Dion primetime Sanders
0: we
3: all right welcome back time to wrap up the show uncle jimmy's here uh to tell me how great of a job i did today it was an amazing performance by me uh most people have it at five or six stars even as high as seven stars uh some people but uh, uncle jimmy gets the final say uh jim uh any, any thoughts about um, my performance on the show
1: yeah first of all uh we we have TJ here with us. TJ, isn't this the part of the show to where you would tell the player? Wouldn't you take the player into the blue tent to check out his injuries from pulling his shoulder out of place for smacking himself on the back? <laughs>
4: the erecta tent. Yes.
1: <laughs> isn't it? Isn't this that time? But yes, sir. Uh, I find that your performance was um, second to none. Uh,
3: second. I, I like that. Uh, how about TJ? His first in-person performance. Uh, as the drill thrill sergeant, uh, um, do you have any thoughts on T.J.?
1: T.J. did good. He came out the door. He did good. Um, he, he actually looks better in person than he does on
3: camera. I, I would actually agree with that, Jim. You know,
1: I, I, I agree. I was kinda... He looks
3: unshaven at home. He looks unkempt at home.
1: Well, I, I, I was surprised that you said you went out with him because I know that that would have meant that you was only going to get the leftovers. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was doing good. And, and he was talking about uh, Lamar Jackson, and, and he made a real nice analogy. He compared Lamar Jackson to RG3. You got to give me something for that, you know.
3: I, I, well, that's because you're, you've never liked Lamar Jackson, and so you'd love to hear people compare Lamar Jackson to someone who's out of the league.
1: Uh, excuse me, TJ, do you think that Kuntabal has a future in the NFL? <laughs> You're putting him in a tough spot, man. If he laughs at that. It's fearless army. Come on, what you yeah. think, man?
4: I don't understand the question. Listen why. here.
1: Look, I need you to speak up when I ask you a question. Come on, what you think, man?
4: Okay. <laughs> who, is it? who are we talking about?
1: I just asked you a simple question. Oh, you don't know who Kunta is? Never heard of him.
3: Kunta Kente from the show Roots. He's calling Lamar Jackson yeah, Jason, a slave. Jason, Jason I got
1: this. TJ, stand up. <laughs> Get your ass out of here. When you come back tomorrow, come back with more than good looks. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about who's kunta. <laughs> you, you got to tighten that up. You almost called him the N-word. <laughs> oh, this? <laughs> <laughs> Man, <that didn't. laughs> I don't know where you got this. <laughs> who's kunta? <laughs> Man. Uh, all right. Uh, what about keep on going, the rest it, of the show? I mean, I, get,
3: that's kind of disrespectful. That's a young pup of a
1: soldier, man. You could break his spirit. Well, he needs this the fearless army, man. Now, what, what did you say? What you said? Here, let me write this down. What you say in the earlier show said uh, 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 you said, first of all, you said uh, criticism makes you stronger if you're strong enough to take it. That's true. Well, you know, also real quick, and I didn't get to ask because you said that, uh, what was that you said? That uh, you, you said that, that he was more successful than you yeah. in Missouri?
3: Yeah. yeah, at Mizzou, yeah.
1: Okay, was you talking about in Dayton or in football? Football. Oh,
5: okay. Right. <laughs> I just want to
3: clear that up, all right. I just want to get that. I was more infamous on Kansas's campus than Mizzou's campus. Okay. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was the
5: 90s. Well, yeah.
1: And, and, and if I may, just keep on going with the show. Yeah. How in the hell did you get Mike Tyson on this show? <laughs> you talking about uh, Rashad McKenna? That's who that was? Yeah, that was Rashad McCann. Man, I, man, the way he was sitting up there with that tight shirt on, the way he was talking and everything, man. The Kobe jersey. Yeah, yeah. well, I think he was trying to tell you something. What? Well, you better watch your mouth talking about Kobe. Will you <laughs> 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 we see how I feel this jersey <laughs> out? <laughs> Let I me. Mean, can I ask you this question for yeah, real? Yeah, please. If Rashad Dunn's time. <laughs> I know. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. Because if, if I seen him in Kansas City and I was in my police car, I ain't Woop <laughs> All right, come on see ID what a dope <laughs> home with the guns <laughs> anyway but I, uh, I love him man for real he, he kept it real because he he called Dion Exact what he called Deacon Dion
3: Deacon Dion versus primetime. I like that as well
1: and, and let me tell you what he said that you didn't pick up on you heard because you said Dion ain't married I don't know if he's still married you know who he was married to yeah the Tracy Edmonds though you know who Tracy you know who Tracy Edmonds is no that's babyface wife. Oh, that's right. Now, when you take baby face woman, <laughs> when you take baby face woman. What you need with Brittany Renner? <laughs> I mean, but you know this is prime time. This is how prime do it. You know what I'm saying? I got Brittany Renner coming in here. You know what I'm saying? Even my foot messed up, I still get pretty in it. That dude need to be
3: ashamed of himself, man. <sighs> I You got no. What? What about Santa Ink and Shamika Michelle? Nothing.
1: Shamika. Uh, <clears throat>
3: We're gonna talk about Shamika.
1: Honestly, I mean, her, her her Santa, Inc. Analogy and everything she said, it was it, it was phenomenal, as always. You asked her about the stereotype. I, I was really afraid she was going to say, I really was... A, I was surprised that the black reindeer didn't date white reindeers. That's <laughs> what I thought
4: she was going to say.
3: But she didn't say that. Well, I think she only watched four or five episodes. That may be in later episodes. <laughs> so she probably bit her tongue. She don't know what's coming next.
1: And, and speaking of... Speaking of Shamika in her tongue, man, you got to you've been getting on me about my language, man. You got to get, get Shamika on her language, man. You just letting Shamika come out and say whatever she wants to. And I'ma say right now, here in front of everybody, you keep on letting Shamika talk like this, she gonna end up getting a good tongue lashing from me. <laughs> rules is rules.
3: That's between you and Shamika. Okay. Uh- can we get, are, are you done? Yeah, are I'm done, man, right I'm done. All right, so uh, let's get to Deion Sanders and our approval rating I mean, for, uh, oh. <laughs> for, for prime time. Uh, job performance, hey, they won the SWAT. He went 11-1, and one. Uh, they won the SWAT. I give him a 24 in job performance. Uh, you know, he lost one game. That's one short of perfect. He's doing a good job as a head coach at Jackson State, even though he missed like three or four games laid up in a hospital with that foot injury.
1: Hey, man, look here, I ain't played in over 20 years, and I can still pull a Whitney Renner. So don't (laughs) tell me this ain't prime time. This is one of my best performances ever. I give him a 25. (laughs) Uh, I think
3: you've already dipped into the uh, Dion character. Uh, and so I'm giving him a 16 for character. I've marked him down for bringing Brittany Renner in. I think that was low character. So I've got him at a 16 in character, but you-
1: Prime time is alive and kicking. You understand me? I mean, even in that commercial for the Affleck, you see I had three good looking women in there. I'm gonna get the gold jacket for bringing in these gold, these blue star hoes. You just watch. <laughs>
3: Uh, 25 in character from you Authenticity Uh, I don't know what to think About you know Deacon Dion versus primetime Dion I've got him at an
1: 8 In authenticity I give him a 0 Hey man there's not a lot of Athletes that when I grew up that I respected One of the first calls I ever Made to a sports talk show was To your guy Don Fortune Mm. And I called Don Fortune because at one time I think he was playing against Dallas, and a fan threw a drink on Dion. And that time I think Dion was bragging that he had never had a drink and he never had alcohol in his body. And to me, just due to the fact that Dion was that dude, I was defending Dion. Like, how could you say that? I'm I'm upset because a fan threw alcohol on him, and now he's just throwing DNA all over his body. It don't matter. <laughs> Zero in authenticity. He gets zero. I got you. Uh it
3: factor. Dion's pretty charismatic. Uh, I'm okay. not gonna give him a perfect score, uh, mm-hmm. but I will give him a 23. You know, you know, he's lost a bunch of weight since he been in the hospital all the way down like 175 pounds.
1: Jason, let me tell you something, yeah. I mean this from the bottom of my heart, man. When you get old and you keep chasing these young women around, <laughs> you take his toll on you, boy. <laughs> Honestly, it'll do it to you. You know what I mean.
3: Yeah, it definitely will. And so uh, you give him a 25. I see. Perfect. I gave him a 25. Good factor. You've got him at 75 in a grease fire. I've got him at 71 in a grease fire. So we took different routes, but we pretty much got to the same place.
1: You know, one thing I will say this about you and Dion. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because Brittany said that you had to have a blue chip. We forget Dion got a blue chip. So, you know, she was letting it be known, Dion. <laughs> blue check. Blue chip, blue chip, blue check, blue chip, same thing. But my question is, so what about your blue chip? How, what, what happened with you and your blue chip with Brittany? Your Man. blue check.
3: Oh, I never went into
1: her DMs.
3: I just I just followed along.
1: They just did just did just didn't have the kahunas, huh? No, no, I didn't uh But way too young
3: for me, even back in my idiot days. Uh, you Just know, follow what? from afar. Freedom.
1: You know that you, you you know that's normally what the law says. You got to follow from three hundred yeah. feet.
3: <laughs> I'm very paranoid. Anything I put in writing, I expect to someday
1: see out in the public space. Jason, well, my DMs are very very PG thirteen. Listen, let me let me say, speak on behalf of everybody in this studio. We appreciate it because we need you to stay employed so we can stay employed. <laughs> can we get some tamara going here, man? Yeah, tomorrow's already going. Okay. Yeah. Hey man, you did do
3: a good job today, I'm proud of you. Thank you, I appreciate that, good show. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Sign, looking like it's my time, feeling all kinds of freedom These words are our religion, our regrets, and our decisions We all want to go to heaven with freedom It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination Raising up your hands for freedom Raise up your hands for freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be. I just want.